I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do. everyone this is podcast of the dead the podcast about all things horror related your favorite podcast to listen to if you like banging your fucking head uh we're your host i'm zach palmer sitting across from me is isaac wright i'm gonna spend this entire episode tying everything back to cubics robots for everybody <laughs> everyone whatever it's called no you know it's, what it is. yeah i mean specific <laughs> references are always needed especially when isaac nobody knows what that is <laughs> He needs his yeah. V-Bucks. <laughs> uh, joining us from the void, of course, is uh, Chrissy Beetle and Stephen Rankin. Hello. Hey. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, so this is going to be a special episode. Uh, this... We all did a bunch of acid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish. We did a bunch of acid. I wish I was on coke right now. It would be very fitting. Uh, yeah. It would. <laughs> this is. Or that sweet leaf. <laughs> oh man <laughs> it's gonna be a long episode I, uh, uh, I was making a reference that you didn't get no i didn't <laughs> that's the opening oh, track oh, to Master name Real. three black sabbath songs female <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one typo did, the one typo did. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Oh, and the one typo nicked. Yeah. You uh, mean like all five of them? Yeah. Man, every typo negative song. Yeah. This is going to be a Beatles. thick episode. Really very, very, very thick episode. We got a lot of ground to cover, and uh, we're going to try our best thick. to keep it within an hour and a half, uh, because this is the first of three uh about black sabbath so uh if uh, everybody's ready i'm ready to get into it uh let's start i've got the script here i am ready to read along and <laughs> pretend to know where what are you I talking am? about this is all off the cuff zach is reciting from memory it is a lucid <laughs> natural conversation we are having they can see also, me when reading you say banging your head i genuinely thought <laughs> there's no net here <laughs> When you said bang in your head, I genuinely thought you were going to say bang in your mum. <laughs> no one in Black Sabbath did that. Deep purple, That's... baby. <laughs> Richie Blackmore? <laughs> Richie Blackmore banged his mom. You heard it here first on Podcast of the Dead. In Minecraft. Now I'm just lost. Now I am just absolutely lost. I'm Zach, smoke. You should get into it. You smoke should, on the water. Smoke, smoke on the water is about incest. I got that. The but. Smoke on the water of his <laughs> mom's bathtub. <laughs> you just sound like Glenn. Did you just say porking my mother? Is that, is that what we're going to change it to? <laughs> That's what it is now. Uh, okay, so today we're taking a gamble on something new. Uh, it's not that we've never done a show about bands or music, but this will be our first attempt at covering the complete history of one group in particular. This will be the first in a three-part series on the history of Black Sabbath, the Lords of Darkness that essentially spawned heavy metal. 
Your this grandpa's sto- favorite band. Grandpa's mm. favorite band. Uh, <laughs> this story is filled with occultists, the Church of Satan, and witches, as you would expect. But it's more often filled with the exploits of four burnout blokes from Birmingham who wanted nothing more than to live a life filled with good old sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So. It's certainly drugs. It's certainly lots a of lot drugs. of drugs. <laughs> You said drugs twice. I like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so strangely enough, uh, just because I, I don't know what, when I'll uh, have a chance to put this uh, in any other part of this, because we're about to start getting into actual, like, you know, heady stuff. Uh, my sure. biggest uh, recollection of Black Sabbath was um, having one of their compilation albums. Like, I forget which one it was. I think it was just called Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, but it was like all the hits. And so Sabbath I, Bloody mm. Sabbath is actually one of their regular albums, but yeah. Well, I think they, I don't know what they I think they called it that or something. No, I don't they, know they've done that before though. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was one of those. But anyway, and then one of those um, like record company things. That's yeah, not really yeah, yeah a compilation like, that they did without their permission. On yeah. One of the highlights of my youth was then taking that and syncing it move, to the movie The Lion King. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> if you've ever seen um, The Lion King start with the title track Black Sabbath instead of Circle of Life, it's amazing. That actually <laughs> sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just it's has... Like how, uh, it, it's it like hits how the different. wall lines up with um, Alice in Wonderland. Yes, no, exactly. No, this, this random greatest hits album by Black Sabbath lines up with The Lion King. <laughs> it's a real deep cut, because that's what I had. Just like I, I synced up... Punk and Drublick by no effects to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chrissy, uh, Chrissy and Steven, what are your first experiences with Black Sabbath? You go first, honey. God, I'd have been about, like, 13, maybe? No, probably younger. Yeah, because both my mum and my dad like Sabbath, and my stepdad like Sabbath. Well, there's just a lot of people that like Sabbath in my household. It was inevitable. Yeah. I'd, heard sabbath it was like cool this dude is cool i think i first maybe heard fairies wear boots Mm. i really don't remember it was ages so many years ago so much booze has been consumed (laughs) not many brain cells left yeah you can just say just like sabbath you can just say you're british it's fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, but then i i did see them in 2012 on their like that like the one of the two shows they said they were gonna do and then they so like we rushed we drove forever to see fucking sabbath and then they announced like s- a fucking two tours after <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> it was like oh i thought this was gonna be special guys yeah it's fair yeah, tours fuck. go yes that's that's how they yeah. go <laughs> um well i uh i don't know like i was just like you know like, without knowing it, because, you know, I'm disabled, I'm not really, you know, um, ingratiated to the typical social scenes, like, my radar has to be a little... It's just different by des- by design. I don't mean that, right. like, pretentious way, I just mean, like, you know, like, quite the opposite. <laughs> right, exactly, <yeah. laughs> Like, quite the opposite, it's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, uh, especially, like, in grade school. So it's like, I, without knowing it, I was kind of like a dad rock metal dude. Uh, in junior <laughs> high and high school, still kind of am. Like I'm yeah. wearing a fucking typo shirt, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I I was into like Kiss and Judas Priest and Metallica and such. By the time I was like, oh, um, all these bands, even Kiss, are like Black Sabbath's cool. Okay, I will check out Black Sabbath, and it's like 
yeah, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think I got the greatest hits from Walmart or something. I think my stepmom got it for me, uh, and she was very trepidatious about it, which is really funny to me. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, well, my my uh, my brother, you listen to this too. Just don't don't smoke pot. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's honestly like, like, yeah, that's like a uh, a a story of our generation of like how we got into it. It's it's such like oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so like a a separation of a separation of how people got into it. Mm. Of like, I didn't even hear it from another band. I just bought the album at Walmart. Yeah, you know, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, that's 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 uh, capitalist realism for you. Like we're kind of like in a in a post linear time period where there is no past or present or future. It's just (laughs) all kind of there at your fingertips so you know you can listen to your you, you can get your bts burger with extra korean boy sauce and jam out to paranoid yeah it's all on the table and you just measure time by which economic collapse you're currently living through <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's just the second out of the collapse of the third <laughs> Oh boy, I bought this during the hunt for WMDs. <laughs> yeah, oh god. Sick, I bro. I the greatest hits during uh, the war in Iraq, come to think of it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Am I, am I the only one at the table old enough to remember the the heady Clinton years? Uh, yeah. Pun intended. Uh, yeah, ah! yeah, yeah, yeah. Head-filled head Clinton years, yes. Uh, yes, you are the only one. You're the oldest the, one. The only one to actually be alive during the lifetime we actually had, like, a good economy. <laughs> Good. Well, good <laughs> on the surface level, and then the it all surface just, level then, good. We didn't have a deaf like we didn't have a deaf or debt. We weren't in horrible yeah, debt. But then all the popsicle sticks that were holding everything up just kind of like yeah, just started yeah. getting soggy. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> realized, oh wait, this is an unstable economy. Forgot, totally forgot. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Bosnia was a trip. <laughs> was there perhaps a band from Birmingham whose uh, bassist wrote about a lot of this stuff? <laughs> We'll get I into that. I can actually see how I'm looking at you for once. <laughs> uh, so, uh, this story all starts with the master of riffs himself, Tony Iommi. Uh, Tony was born to Italian immigrant parents, uh, Chrissy, uh, even though you're Sicilian, uh, uh, in Birmingham, England, <laughs> in 1948, and is their only child. Uh, He was raised in his parents' corner shop, which doubled as the house, and his room was occasionally used for product storage. Uh, At a young age, Tony witnessed the death of his grandfather, who was sick in bed at the time, an event which uh, affected him deeply as a child. Uh, He says this in the book. Uh, He commented on his grandfather's death rattle, a choking, gurgling sort of sound. Uh, He said he has since seen two or three people die and says it's always the same sound. Always the same sound. You know... Go on. Can, can you can you can you make the sound for us? Oh, God. Give us oh, a uh, uh, mm, of the sound. Probably like <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, Tony also said at a young age he always had a feel for spiritual beings in the afterlife. Uh, he, in several instances in his book Iron Man, which I read, uh, comments seeing ghosts in various houses and buildings and also discusses his experience uh, uh, with astral projection, an act he says he can no longer perform. Uh, Tony, from a very young age, was determined to be a musician and first wanted to play drums. 
However, uh, he later settled on guitar after drums were deemed by him to be too loud and expensive. Uh, his first guitar was made by Burns, uh, which is a company that's still around, uh, as it was the only company he knew of at the time which made a left-handed guitar that was affordable. Uh, and as most people know at this point, Tony is left-handed. Uh, Tony loved the Shadows and would always play along to them when they came on the radio. In his teenage years, Tony was often bullied by the local street gangs that roamed Aston, which is the part of Birmingham that he's from. Uh, and his family, uh, his family lived in like kind of a sort of like the industrial part of Aston, which most of Aston, as I understand it, is pretty industrialized as far as like it's a bunch of factory places and all that sort of thing. That's a lot of Birmingham, to be fair. <laughs> uh, Birmingham is a very industrial city. Yeah. Um, so from this, Tony became a good fighter and was sort of the tough guy at school. Uh, having bought a fringed leather jacket to complete the look. This is a look that we know uh, of Tony Iommi, definitely in the 70s and 80s, of him wearing that fringed jacket. That's kind of, he picked that up all the way back in his, like, uh, I, well, I don't know, if the, did the British call it high school? What is it called? Secondary school. Secondary right? school. Secondary school, although okay. in the 70s it would have been grammar school. So grammar school, there we go. Grammar school is not the lower of the two? No. Huh, weird. You take your 11 plus, and then you go to grammar school. <laughs> Ozzy failed grammar school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to Ozzy, don't worry. Uh, while at school, Tony was also familiar with a known troublemaker in the grade below, uh, him named John Osborne, uh, who we will get to know better later, as I said. <laughs> uh, Tony got very good at guitar and started joining local groups when he could, including the Rock and Chevrolets, the Birds and the Bees, the rest and mythology. The later Horribly two, uh, the last, mm. yeah, <laughs> terribly sixties uh, sounding names. Uh, the latter two groups are ones that also include Bill Ward, the future drummer of Black Sabbath. So, uh, you know, he's him and everybody in in Black Sabbath who ends up being members of Black Sabbath grew up in this. Not not all of them, I think, grew up in Aston, but they all grew up in Bir Birmingham. Uh, so they all are in this, well, as you said, Chrissy, very industrialized city. It's it's a whole lot of yeah. factories, and that's, like, one of your number one ways to get a job in Birmingham is just work at a factory of some sort. It's very much a factory-type town. So what you're telling it's me is... It's why a lot of is... people there... It got fucked by Thatcher massively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's why we a just lot call... of people got into music there, because it's like, that was like... There was, yeah, there was that was... That's yeah, all you do. Like, yeah. yeah, Led Zeppelin that's, that's came from there, too. That's 70s Britain in yeah. a nutshell. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to start calling Birmingham Acid Rain Manufacturing Slum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be accurate. I've got a, got a great be... story about Iomi. So, it's it's amazing. Uh, so, my, my, my favorite hobbit, Nicholas, which is my stepdad, has a mate who was in a band with somebody who went on to form a band called Nectar and his mate and obviously all these these people went on tour in Germany with a band called Earth which was one of Iomi's bands at the time and they came yeah. back they got off the ferry at Dover was checking for all their gear and fucking Iomi and his band had nicked their, like a load of their speakers 
They just okay. nicked a bunch of their gear, which <laughs> and apparently this bloke is still kind of mad about it to this day. Well, uh, I'll break that, his fingers. Wait a minute. That that makes sense, and we'll actually get into it. But Earth was Bla- one of Black Sabbath's earlier names. Uh, so that's ah, actually okay. that's actually proto so Black sh- Sabbath. So he got his shit nicked by Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. And Nectar were a huge band too, so that's kind of oh, wow. funny. Okay. Like Nectar became quite big. Mm. They were a bit proggier though. <laughs> that's why Nick likes them. Yeah, of course. There's there's yeah. a lot of there's definitely a lot of prog uh, around this area this era too. Like 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 mm. early seventies. Oh, yeah. uh, one of the early bands that Black Sabbath toured with was Yes. Uh, of yeah. course. No. You know. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite. Yeah, there, there. I think there is a yes cover band called No, which. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't Should it we be? Go That's. See them? <laughs> it seems like the obvious. Yeah. Yes. If there wasn't, I'd be disappointed. I, st- I still love uh, uh, Mark Mendoza from Twisted Sister talk about. Yeah, one time uh, we opened for Yes, and I don't know. Should be more embarrassed, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> See, my choice for a yes cover band name would be something like Indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Jojo ending. No. Yeah. Sure, 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 why not? Part three. <laughs> well, when, uh, when Tony auditioned for The Birds and the Bees, one of the bands that I mentioned he was in, uh, and got the gig, he decided to quit his job and become a full-time musician. At this time, uh, Tony worked at a sheet metal factory. On his last day at the job, he decided that he was going to clock out for lunch and just never clock back in. You know, the old, the what old, the, the old lunch leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tell me, me. It was actually Soon. his. Yeah, it was actually his mother that convinced him to do the full day's work so he could just do it the right way, quote unquote. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, one of his co-workers did not show up that day, and Tony was placed in their position to work a machine he was unfamiliar with. Uh, the machine was used to bend sheet metal with a big guillotine-type press. Uh, like the Mangler. Right, exactly, like the Mangler. <laughs> Please listen to our episode on the Mangler. Uh, he, he accidentally caught the tips of his middle and ring fingers of his right hand in the machine and pulled them off in surprise. They grafted skin from his arm on the ends and put follicles from his beard in to try and get it to grow nails again. Okay. okay. So he, he said in the book, he said, if you draw a, a line from the top of your, your index finger over across your middle and ring finger, all of that's gone above the line. That's that's how he described it in the book. And like I said, I'm going to put up a picture mm. of his hand now so you can see what it looks like. Um, as you can see from this picture, uh, this is what his hand looks like now. Uh, Tony was devastated by this accident, of course, because uh, it happened to his right hand. He's left-handed. He frets with his right hand. Uh, he couldn't play guitar anymore. The times he tried soon after the accident were either too painful or just didn't feel right to fret correctly. He became very depressed in this period. It was then that uh, the factory foreman, where the accident happened, bought him a vinyl of Django Reinhardt, a jazz guitarist from the big band era that played with two fingers after his ring and pinky finger were damaged in a fire. Uh, Django was a very good player, even after his accident, Uh, so after hearing this, Tony decided to keep going forward with guitar. Uh, he had prosthetic fingertips made, which were actually an entire prosthetic arm, because the company that made it said it was easier to make the arm than the fingertips, uh, and used leather from his jacket to help with the grip. 
he now takes several replacement tips with him on tour. Uh, this new disability also forced him to use thinner strings because they stayed on the fa- fake tips better. Mm. Uh, since no company at the time made thinner strings than I what he was using, he initially used <laughs> fake tips, not That's fake tips. <laughs> since since no company made thinner strings it's later in his career. Since no no company <laughs> at the time made thinner strings than what he was using, he initially used banjo strings. Uh, from this point on, Tony started playing again, basically having to reteach himself. Uh, he was in the two bands with Bill Ward, previously mentioned, the rest in Mythology. The second group, Mythology, made headlines when they were caught with two suitcases of dope that their dealer had left with them. Nice. This broke up the group almost immediately, because this was a huge crime back in the day. Um... Is dope heroin or is dope marijuana? Dope is marijuana. Okay. They he said dope. That's why I mm. said dope. Okay. Just uh, making sure I know which dope we're referring yes, to. Yes, dope is <laughs> dope is the term yeah. he used. Yes. Heroin didn't get that like dope phraseology till like later on. Mm. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, however, in a music shop window, Tony saw an ad that read, "Ozzy Zig needs needs gig." experienced frontman, owns own PA system. Tony and Bill went to the address on the ad, and when the door opened, Ozzy Osbourne was standing there. Tony almost immediately said, Oh no, not this guy. I know him. He ain't no singer. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. What was his... I know you said that he he was a, a lower classman than him. He was a year below him. Yes, they, Ozzy was. Did they go into anything mm. about like what his personality was when he was in school? Like, we'll why, why was he immediately we'll like, fuck it. this guy? Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. Tr- Funny you ask, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> so, if Tony's story was a lesson in determination, uh, Ozzy's is one in being a low-life hooligan. Uh, John Michael Osborne, known as Ozzy, was the fourth of six children born to Lillian and John Thomas Osborne. Uh, Born in 1948 into a very poor family, uh, Ozzy was immediately a problem for his parents. Uh, He had a tendency to think impending doom was around every corner. Uh, When his dad would nap at home during the day, Ozzy was worried that he was dead and would poke him awake. Uh, He had a lot of of problems in school due to his dyslexia and ADHD, which were not actually diagnosed until later in his life when he was in his 30s. Those didn't exist back then. Right, exactly. (laughs) And he was made fun of... They're not real. They're not real in the 70s. Right, yeah. And he was made fun of for this I was about to say, yes, they are. I have them. Yeah. Uh, this also drew the attention of one teacher in particular who used to tell him to take the biggest shoe off of the shoe rack in the back of the classroom and bring it to him so he could beat Ozzy with it. Uh, <laughs> this concoction of lack of proper education and, inadequ- and, and inadequacy made for a bad time after school. Ozzy tried various trade jobs as he had no real education. He basically flunked out of school. Uh, he was once a plumber. Uh, but when he realized it involved a lot of being outside in the winter, uh, he quit after two weeks because it would be a lot of him <laughs> having to go to the manhole cover and try and figure out what was wrong or out to the water meter or whatever they had back then. I don't fucking know. And because a lot of pipes burst in the winter. I was about to say, yeah, it's about yeah. the same as it is now. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the, just, the, just, the just fat times for the plumber is right. the winter time when right. everything breaks exactly. and like, you have to be outside the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And the British didn't 
have the idea of like keeping your houses warm and stuff throughout the day <laughs> or keeping pipes warm right. and yeah, stop they them freezing yeah. Yeah. yeah and also just wait 70s britain did where the climate was normal we had a lot of snow mm. <laughs> a lot of snow Y'all, y'all don't wrap your pipes, or they just didn't at that time. They just didn't realize they didn't at that time. We, oh. They do now, we, but like you have to remember, the infrastructure is just left over. Yeah, yeah. true. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, the, we're we're just left over. Like infrastructure from that time is just whatever they rebuilt after the war. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're working with what left, what was left of the Victorian era, and then what was at post-war time. <laughs> right. So, a- yeah. So, yeah. so after being a plumber, he then got an apprenticeship through his mom as a car horn tuner. That's rad. <laughs> I want that job. <laughs> the, that sounds like a fake job. <laughs> but <laughs> the terrible noise caused... I've got a job at the Keebler Alps factory. <laughs> the terrible noise caused by this this job made his ears ring every day that he came home. Uh, when he tried to spark a conversation with his co-worker who had been there almost 30 years, he had to scream for him to be able to hear. Because when he <laughs> talked loudly, he said, stop whispering. <laughs> uh, he realized Earplugs that... Earplugs also didn't exist. <laughs> Right, exactly. He realized that did elf and safety. He realized that staying here would only lead to him being unhappy and deaf, so he left. Uh, this is around the time he got really into the Beatles. Uh, he loved the Beatles. Oh dear. <laughs> he absolutely loved oh, no. the Beatles, believe it or not. Okay. He said the Beatles <laughs> were what really inspired him to become a musician. So that's uh, whether I agree with that or not, that is his story. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no outright Beatles hate, but you just like that. It's very typical. Well, it did, I, I mean, the same happened. Made me want to do music. I wanted Ringo. All this stuff just really struck a chord in me, and then that made me want. And then I put I put small animals on the stage, and then I traced them around and then the people were playing the drums and <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Awesome. <laughs> not a half bad Aussie impression. Like it's, yeah. it's honestly pretty good. All right, all right. I did feel like I was offending Chrissy, and I'm not sorry, but like I was gonna say, Chrissy can confirm that Aussie's accent and just like implacable just vowels. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not all drugs. Yeah, that is <laughs> Partially Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's partially it's pretty regional, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he then started working at a slaughterhouse, uh, a job he actually really enjoyed Weird. because he was good at it. Um, but after being pranked too many times by a co-worker, he beat him up with a pole used to hang fat and was fired. <laughs> Ozzy beat him up so, with a pole. <laughs> so in reality, Ozzy, Ozzy, if he'd gone the other way, he could have just become a soya. Yeah, it's this, funny. This He's is like... He said that everybody who eats meat should at least go to a slaughterhouse once just to know, like, what it's mm. like. He said his first job was being a vomit remover for the stomachs, and then he was a cow killer, mm-hmm. uh, where he would basically shoot the cow in the head with the with bolt the thing, yeah. and then he would hang them up, mm. and then they'd cut the throat and all that sort yeah. of stuff, you know. That's the meat industry. Uh, an abattoir, I'm as they a- would call them in England, by the way. Uh, I'm finding a whole new appreciation for Ozzy Osbourne, and I mean this in, like, the most, like, endearing, like, 
positive way. Right. He is like a wonderful loser. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would love just having he that like, arm's length as a friend. He is. You know, you see at a bar sometimes, you're like, oh, what you up to? I'm a cow killer now. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just check up on him. Yeah. yeah. He really is. He's posting anti-vax <laughs> He really had like every like burnout low-life job ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just makes me think that this small piece of history is what that small scene from Walk Hard is from where he works at the slaughterhouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it gets even better. Uh, Ozzy, out of career, op- career options now, became a burglar. Uh, Ozzy yep. stole, hey. yeah, Ozzy stole TVs and various items from homes, but was stupid as hell and wore fingerless gloves. <laughs> So that he left fingerprints behind at his crime scene. <laughs> they look so cool, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know. Ozzy became Scouse for a minute. Uh, oh, no, that's car radios. <laughs> car radios. Damn it. Uh, so when he was caught, he was sentenced to three months in Winsome Green Prison, uh, one of the most violent Cause. and dirty prisons in England. Uh, it is It is a... Also the most Britishly named prison I've ever it heard is of. Very, it, is, it is an absolute hellhole by Ozzy's description, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, this was Hold a... Hold on, let me check. I think it might be closed down. Uh, Linsome Green, isn't it? Win- Winsome Green, yeah. Winsome Green, I, I don't know yeah. if it's still open or not. It's, it had like a different name. It was owned by a different part of the state or something at one point. I don't even know. I tried to research and I was just like, this is very British. I can't understand it. <laughs> uh this was a turning point for Ozzy. Uh, he decided to do something very different from his pre- previous jobs, and when he got out after six weeks for good behavior, he started looking for a band to be in. So, oh yeah, no, it's still it's still a it's still a prison. It's just now under um, it's just called HMB Prison Birmingham. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> neoliberal hellhole. Yeah, it's just HM Prison Birmingham now. It's the emoji movie jail. <laughs> just fuck me. Well, you said you said Winsome Green. I just thought that was gonna be like a game show where you you like one. <laughs> That's what I thought it would be, or at least would be a good one now. Wheel like I don't know. Money. <laughs> go, to, go to jail. Winsome Green. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's real good. Also, I'll address this now. Eagle-eyed viewers will notice I did spill beer on myself a moment ago. I Whatever. Saw I saw Whatever. That. Fuck I, you. I, I, will <laughs> definitely, I will definitely put that as footage in the video and zoom in on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but... And sorry, I did I did spill beer on myself right when you said what he went to prison for. It was just burglary and burglary, stuff? He just yeah, got caught yeah, for yeah, that? For being a burglar, yeah. But, so was this a jail or was this a prison? This was a, a real it, prison, yeah. This was not like lockup. Pr- they sent this, you to prison prison for just like burglary back then? He stole like a wait, lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> we just okay. have prisons. We don't really, like jails are like, we don't keep our prisoners in jail in like the police stations. Like we will just send them straight to prison. What? They don't go to jail or such. You don't just have like a holding until like, like you're arraigned, until you make bail and then held, you leave? They'll be held and then they move to prison. But we also have open air, like, we also have what we call open prisons, which are, like, nice. I say nice prisons. That's where my dad went. (laughs) (laughs) Dickhead. Um, (laughs) But, like, you go to, like, open prisons, which are, like, easy access. Like, nice prisons in that sense. It's not, doesn't feel like prison prison. 
Gotcha. Right. I don't know why. He probably didn't go to that one, so I think that was late. That was a later implementation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was. I, he would have just gone to. Prison. It's funny. Yeah. I, I actually. Unless you're going. When I was trying to research Winsome Green, I actually looked it up. This is a very, it's like a medieval prison. Like, it was from that time mm. period. No, okay. Well, that's rad. Okay. Uh, no, again, it's just what they had left over. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's a lot <laughs> of leftover in- like, infrastructure in England, as if nobody knew that. Uh, it, is, it is a lot like, of, like... America's brutality is very contrived. Britain's is very, just, like, nonchalant. Yeah. Oh, like, terrible, yeah. yeah. It's just like, like, yeah, this is what we have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why change it? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it, well, the yeah. funny thing is, when I looked up a picture of Winsome Green, and then, I don't know if it still looks like this, but the one picture I saw of, like, one of the gates, it looked like a castle. It looked like it had, like, the turrets. A lot of our prisons do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our prisons look like that. Especially our older prisons. Yeah. That is a very European so thing. That one... like, remember the Bastille in France. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, very... exactly, exactly. And then there's like... also that American one in that movie, The Last Castle, with Tony Soprano. Am I the only one that watched that? No, movie? I think you're the only one. <laughs> and by Tony Soprano, you mean James Gandolfini? No, is Tony that... Soprano. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, James Gandolfini. He was the warden, and things happened. It was called The Last Castle. I'm sure that was a movie. It had turrets on the side like a <laughs> castle. Cool. Hey, I'm in a turret here. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever been in the, the only person in a room to know like a piece of media. And it is just, weird. It's yeah. so obscure that I'm just like, hmm. Wow. Yeah, you actually had the one up on us for once. Yeah, it is. It's not. Yeah. It's not a good feeling. In no, this it's instance. not a good win. It's not a solid it's win. No. The heavy, heavy is the crown. The heavy is the head that wears. Yeah. The well, Ozzy put up his previously mentioned ad at the Ringway Music Store, attracting many local musicians. Ozzy's dad uh, bought him a PA system, even though his family was very poor, as I said before, which Ozzy said he was eternally grateful for. This family had trouble putting food on Aww. the table, and his father said, I'm going to get you a PA because you can't be a singer in the 70s without your own PA. Um, yeah. No, you're Right. Still helps now. Still helps now, actually. Uh, One of the very first people he met through the ad was a guitarist named Terrence Butler, who said said to Ozzy that everybody called him Geezer. Uh, Geezer was in a group called Rare Breed that needed a singer. Rare Breed only played one real gig with Ozzy at a fire station Christmas party that went terribly, and they broke up afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Uh, Ozzy almost decided to quit singing and had even requested his ad be taken down from Ringway, Ringway Music when one day Tony Iommi and Bill Ward showed up at his doorstep and uh, Tony said, oh no, not this guy. I know him. He ain't no singer. And now we're caught back up. Uh, come on, Bill. This is a waste of time, Tony said. Uh, wait, who is this guy? Said Bill. I'll tell you one thing, he ain't no singer. His name is Ozzy Osbourne, and he's an idiot. (laughs) 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 Ozzy, who wanted to be in a band with Tony because everyone in Ashton already knew he was a great guitarist, one day showed up at Tony's house with Geezer looking for a drummer. Bill, who also happened to be there, said he didn't want to do it if Tony wasn't involved, so they decided to all jam together. Uh, included was Jimmy mm. Phillips, which is one of Ozzy's school friends, uh, a uh, on slide guitar, uh, and a saxophonist, Alan Clark. Uh, Geezer didn't have a bass, so he downtuned his Telecaster guitar to play the bass parts. Uh, 
Uh, it was a wreck. Uh, but it was the beginning of the legendary, the incomparable Polka Tolk Blues Band. Which is what their first name was. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a weird Al style name, isn't it? <laughs> well, when you said that uh, Tony Iommi started by playing um, with banjo strings, I did slightly have the urge to live in the alternate universe where Black Sabbath was like a bluegrass band. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> was... and they just have like the jug and the washboard and the banjo. <laughs> Uh, this this <laughs> this name, by the way, was proposed uh, while Ozzy was on the shitter. Uh, he saw right. he saw a uh, talcum powder, uh, which there were. I guess there was a brand of talcum powder back in the day that had, was black with white polka dots called polka talk or polka talc, I'm not sure, uh, and apparently his mom used this, uh, so that's where they got the name, and since nobody had a better idea, they stuck with it. <laughs> uh, they played a few gigs with this name and lineup until Tony decided that Jimmy Phillips and Alan Clark weren't working out. Uh, rather than hurt anybody's feelings by asking them to leave, the band fake broke up, and then a few days later, very British, and then a few days later reformed into Tony Iommi, Ozzy Osbourne, Bill Ward and Geezer Butler. This new and improved lineup played a few more gigs, uh, <laughs> played a few more gigs, getting better at playing with each other until Bill Ward came up with a new name, Earth. As Earth, they played yeah. a lot of blues music, which wasn't very popular at the time. Uh, soul was the big thing in the clubs then. Um, and so mm. they devised a scheme to get popular. Whenever a big band came into town, they would load up the van and wait outside the venue just in case the band dropped. <laughs> this worked exactly once. <laughs> when Jethro Tull dropped because oh, <laughs> when Jethro Tull dropped because their bus broke down, uh, they went up to the promoter of the show, who was desperate, uh, told them they had all of their gear and were ready to play, and he said, you're on in 15 minutes. Jesus. <laughs> Earth played in front of a thousand unhappy people <laughs> until, in, <laughs> until the crowd started to come around. Halfway through the set, when the crowd was finally getting into it, Ian Anderson, the lead singer and flute player for Jethro Tull, showed up and was nodding his head along, clearly enjoying it pretty rad they and didn't potentially quite... some of that some of that equipment was nicked <laughs> <laughs> potentially now, well, I, like, now, I like they didn't necessarily do the blue either oh. that um earth would soon be joined by wind and fire and would become <laughs> one of the most influential pan-african disco <laughs> i think what i like most about that story is they didn't quite do the blues brothers thing where they just show up and say they're the other band but they kind of did almost the yeah, same thing they did. <laughs> about that story that story is apparently the problem promoter said what are you some sort of boy scout you're really prepared <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah it's it's a funny story it's in ozzy's book uh and it was it was just That's, the way he put it, it was like yeah this was just our get rich quick quick scheme basically did, did, is there a shame that like i don't know like i'm having to settle in anymore because that sounds like a great way to just get some real caustic just 
<laughs> unhappy crowd. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really like, like you would you would thrive yeah, in that environment, Stephen. Face again, though. Yeah, well, it, well it's, it's funny because the the Blues Brothers thing is funny because he said that apparently yeah. uh, Tony mm. said that apparently they had started by throwing beer bottles at them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> is any all right? Rawhide then. Yeah. <laughs> is any of the recordings? Or did they make any recordings of any of these earlier iterations of Black Sabbath? Is any of that floating around or no? No. Oh, okay. I think Mythology, one of the earlier bands mm-hmm. that Bill Ward and Tony were in, might have recordings, uh, and maybe The Rest, which is another band they were in, has recordings, but definitely Earth does not, because Earth was when they were already starting. It just starting, became Black Sabbath. Is when they were yeah. already so. starting to write Black Sabbath material. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, because, you know, the first Black Sabbath album, which we'll get to, has a lot of blues sort mm-hmm. of stuff in it. It's got, right. like, harmonica. It's got a lot of just... Yeah, jamming. You, you know? mentioned saxophone actually, and I was like, "Wow, Black Sabbath with saxophone would be pretty rad." But I could see how it wouldn't work out if you have like a trained saxophonist it's trying to deal with these weirdos. Yeah, I, yeah, and it's funny because you know, especially Black Sabbath gets into like more instrumentation later mm-hmm. in their discography. Yeah, and mm. and it's funny because. They actually had said that they added a slide guitarist and a saxophonist because they said uh, blues bands always sound better when they have like a full like mm-hmm. more instrumentation going on, and that was kind of the idea. But then they were just like, "Nah, this isn't working." Mm-hmm. Um, they also weren't. They also weren't working with like Iommi's kind of like um, novel guitar tone because that's gonna because right. what you're what they're basically talking about there is like the dynamic range. And what they found out is that when you have Iommi's guitar, like so, like down tuned with such thin strings, that's gonna f- that's gonna account for a lot of that, a lot more than a lot of the blues bands at the time. So, right, you know, and that we'll, goes we'll actually talk that about that. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and we'll actually talk about that. But they didn't actually start down tuning the guitars until later. Uh, the the tuning no, of the guitar. Like the second album, third third album, which we'll get into, and uh, mm. they actually didn't start down tuning guitars. Really, what it was is that. Uh, they were very particular about their sound to get the wall of sound sort of effect uh, because mm. it was Tony Iommi had like real fuzz distortion guitar, but also Geezer on bass had a lot of like overdrive and distortion going on. So they didn't like it when like sound yeah. guys were messing with like the way they sounded because they're like, this is how it works. This is how we get the effect we want. Uh, which I have the mm. experience with, of course, and I'm sure Steven, you do too. Same. Uh, with just, you know, yeah. it's like stop messing with what we have. Just let us do the thing it's that so we're not. trying to do. <laughs> Shit off, stupid. Real Especially quick, as an industrial band, but yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, for oh, people yeah. who for people who don't know anything about how lots of music shit works, right? How did any of that shit mm. work in the seventies? Because I know there's, like, pedals and shit and stuff like that now that's all electronic, but, I mean, we have, like, so much more shit. Was it all just the same? Just, like, I know they had, like, the pass-throughs where you had a cable that patched into something else. Not quite. So, gigs back then, unless it was a huge band, uh, gigs back then were based on what came out of the amp. Okay. So, you, what was it? Whatever came out of the amp, whatever came out of... The drums were not mic'd. Amps were not mic'd. Ozzy was singing through a PA that they brought, that the band brought. Right. Yeah. Because they didn't have PAs in, in venues at this time. This was like, they have a stage, they have place for people to be, whether sitting down or standing up, and that's it. Mm-hmm. They got maybe a bar. Right. Maybe. <laughs> that's that's all it was. So you had to bring all of your equipment. That's why amps from the 70s and 80s, like when like big arena rock and metal and glam was all like a big thing that's why they're so fucking loud 
Okay. It's because they had to be. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because even yeah. even stadium level stuff, like stadium level stuff, they were using still just amps. Because uh, like yeah, especially like, like you actually needed the stacks. Like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There huh. was a reason to have that many amps. It was because you had to be that loud. There was no yeah. there was no way to modulate it or anything. It just, no, because the technology no. wasn't there yet. Yeah, and then how did effects work? Yeah. Like how did overdrive and like distortion oh, that, and shit like a that? A lot work? of that was still that was that had existed already a lot of it. That's been around. Um, the wah pedal, which is like the wah wah wah, yeah, yeah. like the type of like the Jimi Hendrix type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh that came into effect like I think mid sixties, that was created in the mid sixties. Okay. Fuzz already existed. Uh, Fuzz was roughly created around the time that uh, Satisfaction, the, the Rolling Stones song, came out. Uh, that was like a big one that used Fuzz. Uh, they have they had Overdrive already. They had a lot of like the the grit effects. Okay. They had Echoplex, so they had like echo machines, like tape echo machines that existed then. Huh. Uh, the, these were all like relatively new things, but they did exist. And they were all just kind of like, I guess you would call. They're not mm. digital. They're like. What, analog. Uh, yeah, they're analog. They and they analog. Just, yeah, it's they're just analog. Through, it's just through modulation of electrical currents and bullshit. Like, yeah, so no I software, mean, all hardware. Huh. Like, all hardware. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Well, because distortion was still through tubes. It was, oh, it it was? was tube okay. distortion. That makes a little more the sense. The pedals were all like pedals are still analog as far as like how they do. Oh, they the are. Sound. Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought everything was like digital yeah. now. Like that some of off. it's digital, some of it's analog. Okay. Some people prefer analog to digital, and and vice versa. The tape. Uh, the, I call it a tape echo because that's what they actually use. They use little tape cartridges in the Echoplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like this little, basically little tape machine where it would take the sample of the guitar and roll it around again, like and just keep doing that to make the the echo effect. And because of the way the amplifier worked, it would just kind of gradually fade. Like you could set how how fast mm. it faded and all that sort Weird. of stuff. It was just, it was all very analog, very mechanical type stuff. Yeah. That's cool. I yeah. like that a lot. Okay. Yeah, and basically a wah pedal is just like a little potentiometer, like a little electronic that one makes sense dial yeah. that has a foot pedal mm-hmm. on it. That's all it is, and it's just like a filter. Okay. Yeah. I was just kind of curious because I don't know anything about any of that. So that's, anyway. That's cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's why I'm here. I'm glad that I know all of that because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, be, it would be hard to explain if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so from here, uh, Earth started getting more recognition and gained a manager, Jim Simpson. Uh, Jim Simpson uh, got them several small touring gigs around England, and they opened for Jethro Tull. Uh, during the gig, uh, the guitarist of Jethro Tull passed Ian Anderson a note that said he was quitting. Uh, after the show, Ian asked Tony if he would audition to become the new guitarist for Jethro Tull. He did, and got the gig. Uh, when he told mm-hmm. the rest of Earth, they were heartbroken, but supportive. Uh, Tony was surprised by Jethro Tull's professionalism. They started practice at 9 a.m. sharp every morning and practiced the whole day. Uh, very shortly after jo- joining, Tony was asked to play with them in a film with the Rolling Stones and many other big acts at the time called the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, after that... <laughs> oh, that sounds so fucking pink 70s. <laughs> oh, it's, it's terrible. It aged terribly, by the way. You can watch it now. It wasn't released until 28 years after it was filmed, by the way, uh, because it was so bad. Uh, it included such acts as, uh, I think, not the Beatles, but uh, John Lennon was on it. Uh, who else... I'm trying to think. Jimmy Page, I think, was part of it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but this was, like, before Led Zeppelin. This was, like, right before Led Zeppelin. This was, like, when he just left mm-hmm. the Yardbirds or whatever. Uh, and mm. the funny thing is, like, the whole Black Sabbath story is sort of parallel to the Led Zeppelin story because they are also from Birmingham. So it's, like, them rubbing yeah. elbows mm. 
with with like it sounds a lot. That movie sounds a lot like um, was it Strawberry Fields Forever? That Beatles one that had like the Bee Gees and yes. uh, Earth Wind I, and Fire. I think so. Yeah, and, like it was like it sounds very similar to that, where it's just like just a very like half baked kind of like here's a musical film with the that exactly, household. That's exactly what it is. Yes. In my <laughs> yeah. Did it did it have like a porno plot to go along with it? Like no. It didn't have any kind of thin plot like uh stringing everything along that was really really stupid. No 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 no. no. Well, uh, I don't know. I've never seen no. it. <laughs> okay. uh, I, it probably didn't. And, and by porno plot, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like it's like here's just here's an excuse to play. No, I meant all those bands fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The wrong song sucking fuck circus. Oh no. Uh, yeah, oh, that's Jethro fair. Tull is so boring too. He plays that. He plays that skin flute though. <laughs> that that one that one scene with uh, John Lennon just teabagging um, members of Earth Wind and Fire while not, or not Earth Wind and Fire not <laughs> while Tony Iommi watches just Ozzy just sits there stroking off in the background. No, it was it's just the best t- part of the movie. it was just Tony involved in it because uh, he was part of Death Metal. But um, so so after this, after the the debacle that was the Rock and Roll Circus or the Fuck Fest, whichever you want it to be, uh, sucking Fuck Circus. <laughs> after that, Tony decided he would rather be in a band that he was really a part of rather than something that was established already that he just joined uh, by happenstance. He came back to Earth and said that if they were really going to do this thing, they needed to put the work in and took what he learned from Jethro Tool into rehearsal. He also quit Jethro Tull, obviously. He uh, also said came back to Earth, like as if he had oh, been no, on no, Mars. Oh, no, 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 no. He came back crashing. Jethro Tull rehearses on Neptune, by the way. <laughs> I didn't name the band Earth. That's just what they're called, okay? <laughs> this is when they really started writing the material that would end up being on their debut record, uh, including the song Black Sabbath. Uh, they started getting into the groove of writing together. Tony wrote the riffs, Geezer wrote the lyrics, Ozzy wrote the melodies, and Bill wrote the drums and rhythm. For the lyrics mm. of Black Sabbath, uh, the song, uh, Geezer was supposedly inspired by a time he was given a cult book in Latin by Ozzy. Uh, Geezer was very into the cult at this time period and had upside down crosses on his walls and the walls themselves were painted black. One a night after cool house. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cool. Uh, one night after reading this book that Ozzy gave him, Geezer woke up to a black figure standing at the end of his bed uh, pointing at him. The next morning, he woke up and the book was gone. Creepy shit. Uh, anyway, because of Geezer's love of horror cool, movies, uh, he'd suggested the new name for the band Black Sabbath, which was named after mm. the Boris Karloff movie of the same name. Uh, this. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty sick. Uh, Geezer's a great dude, by the way. He's very interesting. Yeah, he's fucking. Cool. Uh, he's incredibly well read. He's very smart. He's the one who comes up with all the lyrics because uh, he, he can write a lot better than Ozzy can. Uh, <laughs> he's and, the Neil Peart of the group. Yeah, yeah he's like yeah. Neil Peart went outside. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have to address this. Is that how you say his last name? Is Peart? It's not Pert. Uh, a lot of people it's in America Peart. say Peart, but I think it's Peart, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's Peart, yeah. I've Remember, been lied French to. Canadian. Yeah, it's French-Canadian. It's, it's French <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so after... Um, uh, so, let's see. Hold on. Sorry, where was I? <laughs> uh, the reason why they changed to Black Sabbath, by the way, was not necessarily because they had chosen that name and they thought it was better. 
it was because they got mistaken for a different band of the same name and got booked by a very unhappy promoter uh, who thought they were uh, the, the band the other band Earth was like a top 40s type oh band. I thought you meant another band named Black Sabbath mm. and I got confused no, 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 I was no, like no, who no. else had no, that name another band named Earth <laughs> okay yes, yes so they decided to change their name to Black Sabbath they were then booked to play a spiritual African disco show and it was just further <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, after playing a few gigs in Europe and in London in front of some record execs, they were signed to the Fontana label, which is a subsidiary of Philips. And at the time, Fontana wasn't even ready. It was called Vertigo, or they put them on Vertigo. Anyway, it's just stupid, weird label shit. Uh, but it, invented, it was released on Fontana. Like Philips, like the CDI? Mm. I think so. Okay. Like the company that made that and made like... And then fucked off? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else they made. <laughs> made, made the worst video game console ever, the Philips CDI. Please I'm just making that sure up. that's the same Philips that we're talking about. Are it it is screwdrivers. That's a Philips head. Philips uh. are like a... <laughs> they're like some high They cut their teeth uh, in okay. screwdrivers. <laughs> I honestly don't know if it's the same company. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. Okay. I, I honestly it's don't fucking know. Probably the same company that sells sound systems and stuff. I'm gonna assume. Probably. So. Okay. I also don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck it. Can't, tangent Let succeeded. Come to us Here for we go. Information. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Phil. <laughs> Um, they then finally went into the recording studio to record their first album, Black Sabbath. The record was recorded in 12 hours, which is outrageous. This is a full-length album. I've recorded a lot of bands and albums, by the way, and that is an outrageous amount of time. It's only eight songs. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing it live, you can bang it out. Yeah, yeah and that is what they did. So they, they basically... <laughs> right. <laughs> they basically just played their live set with one or two takes per song uh, and then went in and overdubbed or played extra parts over the top of the live recordings and that was it. A legendary mm. record was born. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> um... Yeah, that it must is. Have been a lot of drugs they were on to do it in twelve hours. Part of it was I mean, that. Part of it was even the amount of drugs typo no, was but, on. But, they couldn't do it in twelve hours. No, but again, like typo is very different. Like, like speaking of someone who's been in, you know, more than a more than one punk band. Like you, if you've played those songs enough, and you've played them long enough, you can you can bash it out in like a day or twelve hours. Yeah, I, I mean, I've the done it. The, not yeah, that the album quality, itself, obviously, but I've done it. <laughs> the album itself's not more than, like, what, 48 minutes? It's Something almost like an EP, really. Yeah. I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, no, so, I mean, I yeah, you have a 12, 12 hours, half a day. I mean, you have at least 12, <laughs> yeah. 12 times to do the songs. You get it right, yeah, like, yeah. the third like, time, then you just yeah, overdub it. That to... takes another two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I do get that. I do it's understand that, that part. Are, you know, amazing musicians. Like, <laughs> that is yeah. that is part of it. Also, yeah. <laughs> also part of it that I neglected to mention because it was kind. Of, I thought it would be a little bit too long, but I will just mention it here briefly. Uh, they had gone on a, a European tour, I believe. As Earth, mm. and uh, they got yeah, hold up the in one where they nicked the shit. <laughs> it might have been yes. Uh, it, it, they had gotten hold up. They got basically held hostage in a uh, club in Zurich, uh, where they were just like the 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 like house band for like two weeks or something like that. And the owner of the club like held their passports so they wouldn't leave. 
So basically, <laughs> they would just go out. They had to play five shows a week and then seven on the weekends. So basically, they were just playing shows constantly during that time period. How do you do seven mm. shows on the weekend? Oh, you just play a lot. You just play the whole yeah. day, basically. That doesn't even make sense, though. That's not that... There were like 45-minute shows, I think. But, who, but who's going to seven of these shows? I don't know. Some asshole. Uh, basically, yeah, one asshole, basically one guy. they just looked at this experience as like an opportunity to practice and write and they would do this thing where they would have like Tony either do a solo or Bill and do a solo and the other guys would just go off and take a nap or something and then they they the owners caught on to that and said don't do that we're paying you to play not this bullshit so yeah so, so they basically had a Vegas residency but in Zurich and just at a random yeah, club if they in were Zurich like, yeah, <laughs> if they were held hostage yeah basically it was See under duress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which would make a lot of those Vegas residencies a lot more interesting, honestly. Like, just like, <laughs> like prodding like Bruno Mars out there. Like, just yeah. like, oh, man, God, keep going, mate. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. It, rem- it reminds me of an old Patton Oswalt bit where he's talking about what if your performers at like a show were like circus animals and you just went out and you whipped yeah, them yeah, and they, yeah, just, yeah. they just screamed their set at you <laughs> for like. Just angry. Like, <laughs> it sounds like a lemon. <laughs> not anymore i've settled down <laughs> for you i'm engaged now i can't do that wife would be upset so, <laughs> so black sabbath was released on friday the 13th february of 1970 and was an instant success the album went all the way to number eight in the uk and number 23 in the u.s the money rolled in instantly. Money was falling from the sky, as Ozzy put it, uh, but not exactly to the band members directly. Um, because in these years, the band never got direct royalty checks. Uh, accountants handled everything. So if the band members wanted to buy something, for instance, the band would call up the accountants and simply ask them for the item and it would arrive or be purchased and given to them. Uh, Cars, houses, guitars, and most definitely drugs started (laughs) to pour in. Uh, It was a strange system. Uh, Jim Simpson, uh, their manager, seeing how big the band was already getting, was having trouble managing Black Sabbath because he was already managing a few other bands, and when Black Sabbath unexpectedly hit it big, he was overwhelmed. So, a new manager was found uh, and chosen, Patrick Meehan, uh, who would be instrumental in booking Black Sabbath's first U.S. tour. But before they even went to the U.S., they already went to the studio again to record their second album in the same year, five months after their first (laughs) album was released. Um, Mood. They literally wasted... Very remote. (laughs) They wasted no time in the studio. They only spent three days recording this time, three times as long, uh, which is an outrageously short amount of time to record one of the most influential records of all time, Paranoid. Uh, The album was was originally supposed to be titled War Pigs after the song of the same name, but when the song Paranoid was written in 10 minutes as album filler and turned out to be single-worthy, the label asked the album be be renamed to be easier to market. So uh, then uh, they named it Paranoid. That makes sense. Yep. I mean, I like both songs, but I mean, yeah, I get it. <laughs> interestingly enough, was it? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I get it. War Pigs was a, a, originally supposed to be named Volpurgis, which is actually like 
Yeah. Volpurgis Nacht is like Satan Christmas. That's that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's uh, like a German pagan festival. Oh, right. But then Geezer changed the lyrics to be about Vietnam because he was, you know, he always had his finger on the pulse of right. that sort of thing, which, like we said, very mm. smart guy, always writing lyrics. Mm. Uh, but that's also why the first line is still, uh, or like the, it's uh, general, uh, generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses, mm. because they already sort of had that mm. in mind when they wrote it, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to make this into like an allegory. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of yeah, made it yeah, into like that. Yeah, yeah, like the warmongers are all Satan and things right, like that. Right, which, yeah. which is why the, because they had already come up with the album cover, which is why the album cover is a bunch of guys with sword menacing the camera because it was originally supposed to be called War Pigs and that was the cover mm-hmm. for War Pigs. I just marvel at the fact that music doesn't really work like this anymore. <laughs> that like they they were a success after one album and it's yep. like do you know how much like just looking at the popular musicians of today they have to do so much work because it's not their out. Al- it's not their album sales anymore. It's like their personality. It's their life. It's their. It's all this other shit that goes into it to market their ability to get streaming views or whatever you want to call it. Streaming listens on well, streaming that sites. And like, like you don't sell albums. That and anymore, if you aren't like connected in any way, like if you aren't, it, it's pretty much feudalism anymore. Where it's like if you aren't <laughs> born in someone who has like connections to the music industry, or you're not. Like friends with anyone, like you're just effectively just like completely locked out because right. it's all because ever since the 1970s, like every industry, every bit of our economic system globally is about risk assessment, right. and no yeah. more is it more locked down than things like um, you know uh, the music industry, which is mm. basically controlled by purely accountants yeah. at this point. Mm. Exactly. I mean, there's a funny peep show joke actually mm. where. Um, the characters Jeremy and Superhands. Oh yeah. Go to a studio because they've got a mate whose sister is like works there, and she's like, "Yeah, they fully passed on you, but I'm gonna book you for my private thing." But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. A powerful sense of dread. I don't know. It just it's just weird to me that this. You know what I mean? Like one album, and then boom, money starts rolling yep. in. Whereas today, like, and I'm not even talking about like small people <laughs> who anymore. can't break into the industry at all. I'm just talking about like, even some of the biggest recording artists today. Like they have to do just so mm. much work to get any amount of money. And I don't yes. think I don't even think they're well, really I mean, like money rich. They're more like successful based on their name alone. Sometimes, and then yeah. like. The yeah, money comes from capital. like yeah. the money comes from endorsements. And exactly, the money comes exactly from, what Steven said. Yeah. It's all social capital. Yeah. That's that's what it is now. And and like yeah. obviously social media plays a huge part into it. And that it. just it's, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does suck. I mean yeah. to, it is a reified nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> to give like to give Calabrese their credit, Davey fucking works his ass off promoting their shit. Yeah, but they got but they East. got in bef- like before the you know they, yeah. they got in like before, like because in the '90s and like the early aughts, you could still kind of do that. Well, they've got their own label. They just they produce. From yeah, that. but again, Sometimes they got in on that social that. Yeah. while you could still do that. Really, and, yeah. and if, but it said Davies really kept up that social clout thing to mm, to um yeah. to, to make sure that they can eat. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and like, if, if you want to hear a little bit more about Calabrese, we have uh, a little bit about them on our Horror Punk One Hundred One episode. <laughs> by the way, um, definitely yeah, check that out. My beliefs. <clears throat> um, so after the success of of Black Sabbath and it being big in America, they headed to America for the first time. 
but not before they received a video of a parade in San Francisco held in their honor. Uh, the parade was headed by the high priest of the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey. Uh, and this would be their first of many encounters with Satanists, pagans, and occultists. While playing a show in Memphis, a man in a black cloak came on stage heading towards uh, Tony Iommi with a dagger. Uh, one of the roadies hit the guy over the head with a metal bar and knocked him out. <laughs> this is in the book. Uh, the man's left hand was... It just sounds like the most peak Sabbath story. I know, right? It is the most Black Sabbath thing I've ever heard. Oh, all I can see in my brain is roadie, open alligator, <laughs> priest. <laughs> The man's the man who got knocked out. The man's left hand was split open, uh, slit open, and they later found an upside down cross drawn in blood on Tony's dressing room door. That's the only band you could really go. Yeah, yeah. There's just, more of. No, yeah, that'll happen. That, that sounds like them. Unless, unless you talk about like mayhem or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Black yeah. the black metal Scandinavian scene in general is just it's like not real. Yeah, they yeah. just murder each other. Less they just, said, the better. They just like, love to murder each other. They murder each other <laughs> and they take real. fragments. Yes. <laughs> what are fragments? Yeah. Frag like brain fragments and, and oh skull yeah, fragments. I yeah. forgot about that story now. Yeah. Okay. Um, Remembrance achieved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Memories recovered. Yeah. <laughs> Real like Breath of the Wild shit happening. Yeah, exactly. So uh, later, while playing the Whiskey A Go Go in L.A., they ran into some members of the Manson family. Uh, this this that was very Again. recent, by the way. That was like the year before, or two years before they went to America. That happened very recently, uh, and the <laughs> yeah, Ozzy described them as somewhere else people, like not of this planet. He said that he got huge heebie-jeebies from them. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Coming from Ozzy, that's saying that's, a lot. Yeah, yeah. The fact that Ozzy was wigged out by these guys is, is really saying something. Yeah. Just this wigged out guy with like two shoes, hair like a broom, just eyes that are basically nothing but pupils. Just like those guys are fucking weird. <laughs> Did you just hold having two shoes against him? No, on his hands. Oh, is he supposed to only big, have one? The, What's going the, on? The typical, by the way, the typical outfit for Ozzy was pajama shirt and a a. A, a like faucet, a like a bathroom faucet around his neck. That was just typical, like oh, the way rad. he looked. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that was nothing else. That's just the long pajama shirt and that. Isaac's yeah, like, yeah, no, that, that's 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 a mood. That's that's formal attire. I that's don't know that's Sunday about. best right there. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, though, that's probably that would probably be considered like fucking art school fashion. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Yeah. It's very Bauhaus. Yes, it is. Uh, also, Art, also, well. also, Isaac. Um, to 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 enlighten you on the shoes, uh, British people have like three legs. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Thanks. They just they just hide the third. From us. <laughs> they hide it I under know. their stiff upper lip. They just shove it up there. <laughs> you can't yeah, see yeah. it. <laughs> you, America, Americans cannot perceive it. <laughs> Chris only has two because it's got because they're Sicilian. Yeah, so. I don't count. Bri British people have a fourth yeah. dimensional leg that Americans <laughs> cannot perceive. They have the tesseractal <laughs> leg. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Ozzy started to really get into serious antics and pranks in America, uh, such as setting off fireworks in a newly refurbished hotel, 
uh, mooning the crowd on stage, yep. which is something he did regularly, and pissing himself while, while dead drunk, which is, you know, people just do that anyway. Two two out of three of those is things is normal stuff. it's just him living. That's <laughs> yeah. just drunk people. Yeah, no, mooning and pissing yourself is fine. Like, setting off fireworks, that's like property well, damage. That does is, suck. But the thing the, is, the he specifically fine. saved the piss until he was being, being like, carried out by somebody and then he would pee on them. It's like it's like Will Ferrell on that Conan O'Brien interview where he's just like, do something funny and he just like pisses himself. <laughs> like, I haven't now, seen now that. Now I know what to do when bouncers kick me out of clubs. I'll just piss on them. No, don't pee on bouncers. I think in this age, fine, I don't go it was clubs. a little bit different in the 70s. I think now if you pee on someone, I think that's like assault. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is definitely <laughs> like it is like sexual assault yeah. almost really i mean just because of bodily yeah. fluids being exchanged yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like in the 70s you could just pee all over everybody it didn't matter unless you're in the rolling stones fucking suck circus you don't want to be doing that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of ozzy's most famous antics from this time is when the band stayed at the edgewater hotel in seattle uh, this was a hotel that you could fish out of the windows from because it jutted out into the water. So you could just put a fishing pole out of the window and then fish. Uh, Ozzy caught a shark, like a small, <laughs> like a small shark, and pulled it up through the window. Then kept it in a bathtub. Uh, of course, yep. it died <laughs> because Aww. it wasn't able to breathe. <laughs> yeah, it has to move. Right, it has to move to breathe. So Ozzy <laughs> cut it up into pieces. And threw the pieces around the room and at the other band members. <laughs> and he completely destroyed the room. <laughs> alright, alright. I got I got a I got a deep cut for the for the anime crowd here. Like have you ever seen the show K on when they get like the pet turtle? Right. Like they cut up a pet turtle? <laughs> yeah, they get a pet turtle, but like it'd be great if like the turtle didn't survive and they had to like, cut it up. Yeah. This, so is, this is this is a fictional <laughs> the fictional satanic chaos, yes. Oh man, yeah. Dark Dark Lord Yui Hirasawa, yeah. <laughs> the, the shark story reminds me of a a, a monologue from Exorcist 3 Legion. Where George C. Scott's talk about a carp living in his bathtub. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is a very that, deep but cut, but on a bigger scale. <laughs> that is a deep cut, Damn. and maybe in year year twenty three we'll cover that movie. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> One day we'll do Legion. It'll be worth it. You just want to talk about the jump scare. No, I just want to talk about Rob Dura. <laughs> nah, fair. Sexy so, <laughs> so while in Denver. The band met Mountain, the band Mountain, uh, and oh god, the, that, that band sucks. That was the introduce. That was the band that introduced <laughs> them to cocaine. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> a, a drug that Mount would become very that important. Band did cocaine. A, a drug that would become very important yet very destructive to the band's future. Uh, god, Mountain's so boring. <laughs> they did cocaine. Wow. <laughs> Uh, the band toured America a couple of times before getting back in the studio again to record one of my personal favorite albums, Master of Reality. Uh, not only does Master of Reality have more experience, experimentation and orchestration than their previous two albums, but it's also the first time that Tony Iommi started playing songs in a lower tuning, C-sharp standard, uh, to help relieve the pain from playing so much. Uh, with this, he inadvertently created a new aspect of heavy metal, downtuning, 
Uh, Master of Reality was their longest recording session yet at two weeks <laughs> to lay down. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> band, oh no. the band only had three records. Calm down, lads. The band only had three records under their belt in 1971 when Master of Reality was released, but they had already spawned a new genre of music and became millionaires seemingly overnight. They still had a mountain more to climb in front of them, but even in 1971... <laughs> and a mountain more to snort. Even in 1971, the cracks, however small, began to show. What goes and up, the crack showed. <laughs> what goes up must come down. And the next episode, the decline will be covered in full. There's still a long way to go until we reach this finish, trust me. <laughs> uh, and that's oh boy. episode one. <laughs> Nobody did down tuning before Black Sabbath did? That wasn't like a thing? They didn't down tune in the way... That Tony Iommi did on an electric guitar. Let's yeah. put it that way. Not for the reasons that yeah. he did, and not for the sound that they made. Now, now, definitely people like uh, composers in this, like before this, like classical romanticist composers, down tuned violins to get like alternate yeah. tunings in violin. Oh, okay. Seven string guitars were actually a Russian invention. Uh, like I guess like for classical music for lower bass like note playing like mm -hmm. in classical style. Uh, mm. So seven string guitars existed, which have a a lower bottom string than the lowest string on a on a six string guitar. Oh, okay. So they did have extended range guitars there. They okay. did have alternate tunings for guitars, but Tony is the first one to do it for rock music. For rock music okay. on an electric guitar, yes. Okay. And he did this specifically. You have to remember too. You have to too with like classical strings. Like there's just so many of them that like mm. these days with like classical composers because most of them do it by MIDI. You know, which is an electronic right. yeah. program software um like you don't even really specify what strings you're using it's just like string one string two string mm -hmm. three you know right. yeah yeah so like because when you when, when you because when you get to the electric guitar or the like personal guitar that's a much more um bottleneck singular sort of um interface for lack of a better word it's yeah. a because when you're talking about like classical stuff, it's like you know, obviously it's orchestration. There's probably going to be at least two of you. Haha, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just, it's just, um, it's it's novel because you're dealing with like a relatively newly popular sort of instrument. So, you know, yeah, like just hearing about its origins, I guess is cool. Because just like growing up, learning guitar and learning about music, it's just like so many bands that I was listening to were like down tuned to some degree and right. stuff. Like, and I never really understood why because I'm not really that good a musician. People don't just, realize how important Tony Iommi is to creating like modern metal guitar. Mm -hmm. Like he is yeah. the guy who did it. Mm -hmm. He's the guy he's, who he's like the he's the one like guitar god, quote unquote, that I have like time for. Right. Like, Tony right. is amazing. Tony's like, very good. No. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, like, think a, <laughs> that's rude. Not to get too technical about it, but Master Reality, even within itself, created new metal subgenres. Like, he was oh, creating yeah, yeah, yeah. new yeah, metal. He lot. created stoner metal, stoner <laughs> rock. He created groove metal. Like, if you Doom. listen to the intro yeah. riff to enter into the void, that is a groove metal riff. Okay. Uh, it, he. Yeah. Uh, it is all just like he's creating new subgenres and branching metal as he goes. He is creating the tree mm. of metal that we have now just mm. by chance. Now we should now we should point out that like, you know, as with anything, like history isn't just made by one person. There is other 
There are other people doing similar things to what Iomi is doing, but Black Sabbath are the ones who are popularizing right. them and doing them in such a way that is, like, immediately palatable and notable. Right. They, yeah. they did it most visibly, while other people were probably yeah, doing something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, yeah. think, yeah. about, think about Paranoid, because Paranoid is basically a proto-punk song. It is, yeah. Uh, That's and yeah. it's, yeah. it's a, like, you know, <laughs> along with, like, the Buzzcocks and, and that sort of thing. Like, it's a very much yep. like a proto punk song and it was created out of necessity mm-hmm. it was like it yes. has to be short and it has to be fast <laughs> yeah. because we have this much time mm. on a record and we need yeah, something we can only there. Fit so much yeah and we only and have so much time left to write and record this like so. i said it's all sort of incidental a lot of this thing is all incidental yeah. like i said the the um iomi's mom convincing him to finish his day out at the at the factory that's an incidental uh yeah. Ozzy, Ozzy just the the thing about the the thing I didn't Ozzy existing, Ozzy just existing. <laughs> but the thing I didn't talk about the ad at the music store is that before Tony and Bill showed up at his door for the ad, he actually had asked them like four months ago to take down the ad, and they hadn't. You mentioned that. You mentioned he wanted the ad taken down. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't say how long of a period. And the guy just ignored him taking it down. So if that guy had taken that ad down, we might not have had it. Huh. It's 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 all yeah. like it's a whole bunch of incidental shit. Mm-hmm. It's just it's wild. It's shit. It's crazy shit like that. And like if if Tony hadn't played with Jethro Tull, he wouldn't have like thought maybe we should be more professional or like how this works. Mm-hmm. Like he got an inside right. glimpse yeah. to the music industry at that time, and that was like a per the perfect thing that they needed mm-hmm. at the time. It's it's all of it is just like it's all serendipitous, you mm-hmm. know. See, master masterful uh, heavy metal uh, devotee and. Grammy award-winning metal artist Jethro Tull. We have him to thank, really. Yeah, uh, Ian Anderson. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every time you say Ian Anderson, I just think of that Hot Fuzz uh, thing. It's Aaron A. Aronson. Shall we? Should we just call Aaron A. Aronson then? First name in the phone book. <laughs> Every time you say his name, that's all I think of. So thank you for that. So that uh, that was all that we have. Um, that, that, this was, like I said, the longest script I've ever written. Uh, it was, it's very long. Like I said, 14 pages so far is what I've gotten on it. And that's, like I said, that's only up to Master of Reality. There's a lot more to go. Uh, like, it, like I said, it should be three episodes. I'm really going to try and keep it to three episodes. I, I don't want it to go any longer than yeah. that. I didn't even want to do three episodes. Well, I wanted, I wanted to do two but I thought two might end up being too long each each episode, so we're gonna keep it here. We're we're going to say that's all we have for this week. Uh, make sure to follow us on the social media. Of course, I have now on the first the last episode we did, I put a little banner at the bottom for our social media and stuff. But just in case, Twitter at PC of the Dead. Uh, Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash PC of the dead. And then we have our Instagram, our Facebook, and all that sort of stuff. My Roblox account is 20,000 geese in one bag. <laughs> so you can you can hit me up on Roblox and we can uh, you buy a pizza for me because that's all I do is just, just pizza. Okay. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, well... Thank you all for listening and watching. We love you. Goodbye. This might be my last episode, by the way. I'm going. Oh to- yes, that is right. It is. Episode. It is probably going to be Stephen's last episode. Also, we are not going to be back next week or the week after. We're going to wait two weeks before we get part two. Unfortunately, because we are having uh, recording schedule issues, mostly because we're trying. There, we're trying to get things situated. So. 
Uh, yeah. We're just going and to... I've got to get him back to an airport and back we're... home and COVID yeah. tests. Thankfully... And... I'll miss right. all of you. Don't choose Houston, Stephen. There is a better way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Just, uh, just know horrible. that uh, <laughs> we're going to say bye to Stephen. Bye, Stephen. <laughs> Uh, we loved Bye. having you on. You were a great part of the conversation. Uh, and we you get to go back. back home. So that's something. And we can always try a four-way Skype in the future, or like a four-way thing, Skype in the future, it. that like, you know, yeah. what would be technically yeah. awful, but like I think would work. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we might actually try and make it work for the next Yeah, I think, I think that do. would be beneficial. Obviously. I think it would be good. Yeah. I think it'd be good. Okay, so we'll try. we we'll love try. you. Bye. Later all. We love you. See you later. Enjoy, lads.